welcome all of you here in the room and of course everybody watching online. Thanks for being with us. Our campuses as well. Thank you guys for being there today. For those of you who maybe don't know me, my name's Austin. I'm the campus pastor over at our Somerset campus. And today uh, I get the opportunity to wrap up this series that we've been in all year long called Learning to Count. And uh, what we've been talking about this year is this small shift, this small adjustment in our perspective that has the potential to uh, make huge changes uh, as it relates to the quality and the direction of our life. And this perspective, as we've talked about each week, it comes from the insight of a man named Moses. And this was penned, it was written down for us in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, which says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now we've kicked off each message with this verse just to kind of center us back and help us to remember exactly what it is we're focused on. And essentially what Moses is saying here is that we make better decisions when we live in reality of our own mortality. That when we live in the reality of the fact that our days are numbered, our days have a limit, they have an end. When we count our days, we tend to have a better chance of making our days count. Now, the last thing that I want, the last thing that you want, whether wherever you are, is to get to the last day, to be laying on your deathbed and to be filled with regret because you wasted your days, because I wasted my days. None of us want that. None of us want to get there. And today what we're going to talk about, uh, I'd like to set it up by using a story, a story that can kind of set the framework for what it is we're going to talk about today, a story that many of you know already. Many of you have experienced this story. This story was uh, conceived and produced in 1999. It was turned into a film and it was put up on the big screen and many of you have seen it. It's a story called The Matrix. How many of you guys have seen The Matrix? Anybody seen The Matrix? See, we got a few that have seen The Matrix. Here's what you need to know about what I'm going to tell you today about The Matrix. I'm going to spoil it for you. I'm, I'm going to spoil it for you, all right? Now, some of you guys are here, you're watching online or whatever, and you're like, I was going to watch that today. It's been 25 years. No, you weren't. <laughs> Be quiet. You weren't going to watch it. There's a statute of limitations on spoilers, 25 years, I'm good, I can spoil it, okay? So if you haven't watched it now, I'm gonna explain a little bit about The Matrix to you. Uh, the Matrix, it, it stars Keanu Reeves and he plays the protagonist, the, the, the hero of the story. And in the story, his name is Neo. And Neo lives in this world and he's very similar to you and me, he has a job. Uh, and at night, he, he's on his computer, he's a, he's a hacker, he hacks into things or whatever. And he starts to get some, some interesting, weird messages. He starts to kind of question reality a little bit. And what's actually going on, though, as he finds out later, is that uh, in the past, humanity and AI have began to clash with each other. AI has gained, uh, has gained prominence and has began to attack humanity. And uh, if there was you know, ever a, a pertinent time to be talking about this, here we are, right? But, but yeah, AI has, has uh, gained power and now there are these machines who are warring against humanity. And the machines have won. And they have placed humanity, all people, each person, in one of these little pods. And they have hooked them up to a computer program. 
and they, they've, they've connected to their neurotransmitters in their brain, and they have uh, placed them in this computer-simulated reality. And so the reality that Neo is experiencing and everybody else is experiencing, it's not real. It's a computer program called The Matrix. And so, so they think that they're going through life and that this is reality, that, that everything you know, that's going on is, is normal. They just accept the reality with which they are presented, which typically we do, right? Uh, and so there they are, and, and Neo's living his life, but there are some people who have figured out what's going on, and they've been able to escape out of the matrix. And uh, Morpheus is one of those, and Morpheus is he's trying to fight against you know, the machines and all that. And he knows that Neo is an integral part of that plan. So they pull Neo out. They get him out of the Matrix. And Morpheus begins to try to explain to Neo what is really going on. That in reality, you know, your, your body's been in this little pod. And you've just been, you know, in your brain all of this has taken place. And you've actually been enslaved. And, and these are the words that Morpheus says to Neo. He says, you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, into a prison that you cannot see. So in this world, people were actually enslaved without knowing it. They're actually enslaved without knowing it, and and nobody wants to be enslaved, right? Nobody even wants anybody else to be enslaved. You know, if if you're a decent human being with any kind of morality or moral compass at all, you understand slavery is wrong. It's a bad thing. And you don't want to be enslaved. Worse than that, you don't want to be enslaved and not know it. But perhaps the worst kind of chains, the worst kind of chains are the chains that we place on ourselves. The chains that we place on ourselves. The things that we do that are unknowingly enslaving us. Things that are sabotaging our lives. Things that are sabotaging our futures. Things that are stealing our days without us realizing it. And there are things like this in all of our lives. This is, this is a liability for all of us. We, we have to look out for. We have to watch out for. We have to become aware of. So the question is for you today... And the question for Neo in The Matrix was this. If you're enslaved, do you want to know it? If you're enslaved, do you want to know it? So Morpheus, he offers Neo the opportunity to answer this question. If you know the movie, he presents two pills, the red pill and the blue pill. And he says, you could take the red pill. Neo, and if you take the red pill, you're going to understand what's really going on. You're going to have a a clear picture of the truth, and then you're going to need to do something about it. There's going to be a job for you. Or you can take the blue pill, and you'll forget any of this ever happened. You'll go back to your little pod. You'll get hooked back up to the matrix, and you can go on believing a lie. You can go on living in a false reality and be comfortable. And that's the choice that we have today. Lucky for us, I can tell by looking out here that you guys are some real red pill people. Yeah, you're the kind of people who are like, listen, if I'm enslaved, if I'm in bondage, I want to know about it so I can get free. I want my eyes opened up to the truth. Because I would rather know the truth 
and it be difficult and live free than to have an easy existence living a lie or a false reality. In Proverbs chapter 6, it opens our eyes to um, an unwise behavior that many times we unknowingly exhibit in our lives and it's putting chains on our futures. It's enslaving our tomorrows. It's limiting our capacity to move forward, to grow, and to make progress in our lives. And so in verse 6 of Proverbs chapter 6, it says this, Go to the ant, you sluggard. And anytime we see this word sluggard today, I just want you to replace it with uh, you lazy person. You lazy person, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. The author here is speaking to the lazy people. Now the problem with that is, you and me, we don't think we're lazy. See, we look at ourselves we're like, well, you know, I work pretty hard. I stay pretty busy. I keep a tight schedule. You know, I got a lot going on. So, I, I mean, I'm not lazy. So he's not talking about me. And so we have the temptation to kind of tune out to what he's about to say next and say, well, this isn't for me. I'll just move on. I'll just click on the next video online. You know, I won't pay attention today. But let me, let, let me uh, give you a possibility the possibility that in some area of our lives, every one of us is lazy. Maybe in multiple areas. Maybe we're, we're doing really great at work and we work hard and we labor hard with our hands, but there's other areas of our lives that we're pretty lazy in. And it's sabotaging our futures and it's enslaving us and we don't even know it. Don't even know it. See, we're all lazy in some area of our life. Some of us, we've been lazy in our marriage. We've been lazy in our marriage. We, we failed to connect. We failed to have tough conversations. We failed to be honest with one another, to tell each other how we feel and how we really feel, to tell each other what we need and to ask each other what the other one needs and how can I love you best today. We've been lazy in that for years. Some of us, we've been lazy in our parenting. Been lazy in our parenting We've not had a clear plan of how we're going to discipline. Uh, we, we've not come together and, and decided, you know, what's, on, what's okay and what's off limits and, you know, when are we crossing the line and how we're going to parent. We get busy and so we just, we just pass the kid off to a screen or, you know, whatever and just let that babysit them because in many cases we're just being lazy. Maybe for you it's organization. Maybe, maybe you can never find the thing. Like, I know I have it. I put it somewhere. Where is it? You're just unorganized. You've been lazy. You've been undisciplined when it comes to being organized. Maybe it's procrastination for you. You're like one of those people. Listen, everybody else knows it. You're always going to be five minutes late, three to five minutes late. You wait till the last minute. You trap yourself against the clock, against time, and you become enslaved to that, and now you have to do. You have to crunch it in because you procrastinate. Some of us, we've been lazy with our diet. Some of us, we've been lazy with our physical fitness and working out. Some of us, our spiritual fitness. We've been lazy spiritually. Some of us, financially, we've been lazy. 
We get to the end of the month or the end of the year when we look at our finances and we're like, where, where did it all go? Where's all our money? Why don't we have any? Why can't we afford the things we need, let alone the things we want? Some of us with our education, we've just been content to, to know what we know and just, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I don't really, really want to learn anymore or get any better at anything. Some of us, we think we're not lazy because we're really, really busy. You know, you know the people. You see them. They're, they're, they're always doing something. They're always moving. You know, like <laughs> Proverbs says it's, they're, they're, they're like a, a door that swings on its hinges. It does a lot of movement, but it doesn't go anywhere. And somebody comes up to you if you're one of those kind of people and they're like, how you doing? You're like, I'm crazy busy. But if you're honest, you'd say, I'm lazy busy. Because you have nothing to show for what you've done. Ooh, you're like, you, can't, you look back on it, you're like, what have I even been doing? I've been, I've been doing a lot. I've been, I've been you know, using a lot of energy, burning a lot of calories, doing stuff, but I have nothing to show for it. I, I, I'm just busy. I'm not actually working hard. I'm like busyness to be a distraction and to mask my laziness. But he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. For those of us who find ourselves lazy in certain areas of our life, he says, I want you to look. I know you're a very sophisticated being, but I'm going to take you down to a very small, seemingly insignificant being, the ant. And I want you to look at the way that the ant works. I want you to pay attention and I want you to learn wisdom from it. And so he tells us the way of the ant. He says, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. He says, it has no commander. He says, the, the ant has nobody to tell it what to do. The ant doesn't have somebody to give it orders, to say, you go here, you go here, you do that, you do this. doesn't have anybody like that. doesn't have an overseer. doesn't have somebody that needs to come in and check on it to make sure it's actually doing what it's been assigned to do. To, to, to push it, to, to motivate it when it's had a bad day or a bad week or it's got a bad attitude. doesn't have that. It says it doesn't have a ruler. It doesn't have a ruler, no one to force it to work. Because it's a subordinate. It doesn't even have that. Yet, without any of that, the ant prepares today for tomorrow. The ant does the work today so that it can be prepared for tomorrow. The ant values a future version of itself more than its own comfort today. There's much to be learned from the ant. And then he goes on and he says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard, you lazy person? When will you get up? When will you get up from your sleep? How long are you going to stay where you are? How long are you going to remain ignorant to the facts? How long are you going to ignore reality, pretend that it doesn't matter? 
How long are you going to continue to sabotage your own future? How long are you going to value your comfort today more than your freedom tomorrow? How long are you going to keep doing that? And then he finishes by saying, wake up. Wake up. Because there's a warning coming. He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Now listen, this is not a warning against rest. This is not condemning sleep, okay? We know this because anytime you bump up against something like this, it seems to be contradictory. You, you weigh this against other scripture. And woven into the very fabric of creation is rest. God creates everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rests. And woven into the, the top ten list, the ten commandments, is to, keep, to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Listen, rest is necessary. Recovery is necessary. Sleep is necessary. That's not what he's warning against here. He's speaking about our tendency to justify taking that, taking that little break, waiting just a little longer, pushing that snooze button when we should be working, when we should already be getting after it. That tendency within us, because he knows what many of us know if we're honest with ourselves, that those little breaks, that just, I'm just going to check Instagram for a second, turns into 30 minutes. Where did the time go? I'm just going to lay my head down, take a little nap. Where does the time go? He knows those little breaks, those little things that we justify. When we should be working, we're supposed to be working, they turn into more. And it doesn't take us much time to get behind, and all of a sudden, we're a slave to what has to be done right now in order to survive. That's what laziness does. That's what it does. See, one-seventh of the time, we're going to rest, which means six-sevenths of the time, we need to be working. We need to be laboring. We need to be doing something. That is the way God set it up for us. And when we become lazy, when we procrastinate, when we rest for those little moments, those little moments become big, strong chains that hold us back and restrict us in the future. And here's the real, the real kicker, the real danger of all this is that laziness doesn't feel like laziness until it's too late. Now that should make your ears perk up. That should make you get a little bit towards the edge of your seat. Because what's that, what that's saying is we don't recognize this in the moment. Especially in ourselves. Oh, we see it in others. But it's hard to see in the mirror. We don't recognize it 
until it's too late. See, when we begin to feel the effects of laziness, we always regret being lazy, don't we? We can't find that thing we're looking for. Where's that file? Where's that hard drive? Where's that, where's that document? Where's that paper? Where's that tool? More like, man, I wish I would have organized this before I started. Because it would have taken me a minute to find this instead of 30. When we feel the effects of our laziness, all of a sudden we regret being lazy. When we're finishing last minute, when, we're, when we're, we've procrastinated and we're up against the, the clock, we're like, man, I wish I would have started on this when I knew about it. I wish I would have scheduled my time a little bit better and been more disciplined with that. When we can't play with the grandkids because we've let ourselves get out of shape, we can barely get up out of the chair, we can't go up and down stairs. Listen, I know there's lots of reasons that that could be the case, uh, health reasons that are way out of our control, but for some of us, it's been within our control. And when we get to that point, we're going to go, man, I wish I would have taken care of myself. I wish I would have ate right. I wish I would have worked out. But it's going to be too late. When we feel the disconnection with our spouse, when it seems like they don't know who we are anymore and, and we don't know who they are anymore, We've we've just grown apart. We're just different people. In that moment, I wish I would have told her how I was feeling 20 years ago. I wish I would have told her the truth. I wish I would have been vulnerable. I wish I would have let him know what I needed and asked him what he needed and how I could love him best today and how I could love her best today. I wish. When the account's so low that we can't afford what we need, especially what we want, I wish I would have budgeted, man. I wish I, I wish I would have paid attention to what was coming in and what was going out. I wish I would have written it down and followed it. But now it's too late. We're slaves to what we chose to do yesterday when we choose to be lazy. Proverbs 12, 24 says it this way. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced slave labor. There it is. Laziness ends in forced slave labor. When we think about it, we know this, don't we? We know this. We, we can feel it in our lives because we feel trapped by it. We feel like we have no option, no choice, no, no way out. We begin to feel hopeless. We begin to feel this, this bondage that's just laid over our life like a wet blanket that's integrated itself all throughout. We feel it because we feel stuck in our job. We feel it when we're unable to physically do what we want to be able to do. When we're always behind, we're always running late, we're always running up to the last minute. When we're in debt and we owe somebody else and we can't afford what we need. And there's people counting on us. There's a family. When we live in a mess, it's dirty, it's unorganized, it's a mess. And it's causing us stress. And we can, we can sense that, we can feel that. 
when we've been spiritually lazy and we realize we're spiritually weak because we can't handle the slightest disruption that life throws at us. We feel this in our lives. Sometimes we try to express it to to other people and they just don't quite understand what we're feeling. We we find it hard to articulate and, and, and to help them see how we feel. And that's frustrating and now we feel trapped in that because we feel alone and isolated because nobody gets it, nobody understands. Nobody's like me. Meanwhile, we're all like you. We're all like you. And so here's the bottom line today. And don't laugh at me, but here it is. Laziness leads to slaviness. Told you don't laugh. I know that's not a word, but you know what it means, don't you? You know what it means because you can feel it. You can feel it. And how it's woven itself into the fabric of your existence and your life. And if you know what it means, then I say it's a word. So call Miriam, call Webster, tell them to get it in there. Let's make this happen. Slaviness. Slaviness. We're confined today because of our laziness yesterday. And if we don't make a change... We'll be confined tomorrow. We'll be enslaved the next day. We'll be enslaved the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And that's not what we're talking about when we say count your days. Let's not count our days of slavery. Let's count our days of freedom. Because if we don't change, eventually we'll get to that last day. We'll be laying on our deathbed with regret, wishing we had done the work. Wishing we hadn't been lazy in that area of our life. But there's good news today. There's good news. All of y'all here, all of y'all watching online, y'all chose to take the red pill. Which means you're now aware of reality. So good for you. You're now aware of reality, and the reason that's good news is because now that you're aware, you can change. Because all change begins with a change of awareness. And now you're aware. And so here's here's the application today. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to go and transform your entire life. This coming week. Don't do that. That's like what I would have done years ago. I'm going to go change everything. I'm changing my diet. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to get organized. I'm getting a calendar app. And then nine days later, I'm right back where I was. It's too much, okay? Please learn from my stupidity. That's too much. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to pick one area of your life. Or the Holy Spirit revealed to you today that maybe, just maybe, you've been a little bit lazy. And I want you to change it. I want you to pick one area of your life. And I want you to change it. I don't know what it is for you. It's, it's different for all of us. But I want to give you 
uh, some handholds, a few steps, a, a little bit of direction on how maybe you can do this in some of these different areas of your life. So for you, if today you're like, you know what, spiritually, I've been lazy. I've been lazy spiritually. I've not been taking my spiritual life seriously, my faith seriously, the call that God's placed on my life, the purpose he's given me. I haven't been taking that seriously. Well, I want to challenge you to change that this week. I want to challenge you to find a place and a time and put it on the calendar. Make it 15 minutes. And I want to encourage you to spend that time in the scriptures and praying. You can do devotion. You can do it however you want to do it. 15 minutes. And then I want to encourage you to think about your purpose. The fact that you're still here on this earth means that God is not finished with you. And your purpose here is to tell people about the good news of Jesus. It's to go and engage with people who don't know Jesus. People who have never been saved. To invite them into your life. To invite them to your table. To invite them to church. To develop relationships with them. And show them and tell them about Jesus. And so for some of you, you know what the first step this week may be? It may be figuring out a place you can go that actually has you rubbing shoulders with non-Christians. Because many of us, like I found myself a few years ago, I, I didn't rub shoulders with non-Christians, ever. I worked with Christians. I hung out with Christians. How are we supposed to fulfill our purpose if we never interact with people who need Jesus? Change that this week. Maybe it's, it's your, your, your physical body. This week, I want you to change that. I want you to start taking those steps. If that's where you need to stop being lazy, find a, a nutrition program. Find a workout program. Go to the gym. See if that treadmill still works that you're hanging clothes on. Call somebody that's further along than you, a friend, a coach. Tell them, hey, I'm taking this seriously. I need to change this because I'm tired of being a slave to my body. And I want to take responsibility for it. Will you help me? Do that this week. Maybe it's your marriage. I want to encourage you this week to sit down. I want you to schedule a time. Schedule a time. Put it on the calendar. Get a babysitter. Lock the kids in the basement. Whatever you got to do. You need to be alone. And I want you two to look at each other for maybe the first time in years and be honest with each other. Because you've been running at such a pace. You see each other in passing. You wonder how they really feel. Is the spark still even there for you? Because your marriage looks different now than it did 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago. But you have never sat down and said, you know what, what is our marriage going to look like now? Regardless of what's happened in the past, let's be honest with each other. How can I love you best? How can I love you best? Here's how I feel. Guys, I know, ugh, feel, feelings. But do you want to stay enslaved the rest of your life? Do you want to feel the way you do now about your relationship? Why do you want to feel that way about your husband? Wouldn't it be better 
to have these conversations, to risk it all, to be vulnerable and tell the truth, to take the red pill and live in truth and be free and work together as one to build something new together. Start it over, man. You can do that. Listen, if Jesus can get up out of a grave after being physically dead, you can do that because that power lives in you. Don't give up. When will you wake up, the psalmist said. When will you get up? Don't stay in that. Don't stay there. Maybe it's your job. You've been lazy with your job. Maybe you don't like it. But listen, man, one of our problems with being lazy, one of the reasons we're lazy is because we have a bad theology about work. Many of us think work is a result of sin, that God made us work, and it's hard because of that. That is so wrong. When God placed Adam in the garden, he gave him a job to do. He gave him work right then. Before any of that, God worked for six days. See, work, it's a beautiful thing. Work is something that brings honor to God. It's something that brings pride to you. It's something that gives you a purpose, and it gives your life meaning, and it points people to the creator. Work is a good thing. Jesus said, Jesus, or Jesus said, God is at work even now. And scripture says this. It says that when we work, we should work as if we're working for God, not for earthly bosses. It says, whatever you do, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Some of us need to change our perspective about work. There was a traveler in the Middle Ages, and he saw some stonecutters working, and he walked up to the first stonecutter, and he said, what are you doing? And the first stonecutter said, well, isn't it obvious I'm cutting stone? I'm earning a living. i got to feed my family. And he walked down to another stonecutter, and he said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm honing my craft. You, you see how smooth these cuts are? You see how precise the measurements are of this stone? And then he went to yet another stone worker and he said, what are you doing? And that stone worker said, I'm building a cathedral. See, it's all in our perspective. And I'm afraid far too many of us for far too long, we've had a narrow perspective. We've had a narrow vision of what work is. It's some kind of punishment. No, it's not. We need to expand our vision of work and understand that just like that third stonecutter, we are a part of something much bigger. We're a part of showing people the, the, the majesty and the grandeur of God that when we work hard, it matters. You may hate your job, but you know what? The way you do it and the attitude with which you do it can bring glory to God. It can show other people who God really is. It can make them scratch their head and go, now, why does, why does John like doing this? Why good attitude? Why did he all of a sudden change? Because he used to be the sorriest one of the bunch coming in here complaining and grumbling. You can glorify God and honor him in the way that you work. And I'm not saying you got to stay where you are forever, but do you think you're going to work your way up or get a better position somewhere by having a bad attitude? And grumbling and complaining? No, you're going to stay enslaved to that lazy mindset. You're going to stay where you are and then you're going to blame everybody around you. 
for it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Maybe it's procrastination for you. And you need to make yourself a schedule. And you need to start sticking to it. Maybe for you, there's some places, some areas of your life, you just need to clean it up. It's a mess. It's a mess. You're embarrassed for somebody to get in your car. And it stresses you out, honestly. And you'd feel a whole lot better if you just, if you just cleaned it. If you just took some time. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you're sick and tired of being enslaved to Capital One and MasterCard and Visa and GMC Motor Financial Company because you've overextended it. You've spent money you don't have. I want to, I want to encourage you this week, change that. Create a written budget. This week, go look at everything you spent in January and sit down when you do it. Because you're going to be like, holy smokes, how did I spend that much money? Mr. Starbucks, Mrs. Macchiato. Create a written budget. Start telling your money where to go. Stop letting it tell you where it went. You become the master, not the slave. Do that. Do it this week. Maybe it's relationships. Go have a conversation you need to have. Stop being lazy. Stop being afraid. Go have the tough conversation. Maybe for you, it's just your own mental health, your own mental well-being. Man, you got some things going on in there that you can't make sense of. You're unsure if you're seeing things properly, if your perspective is really accurate. And there are people in this world who go to school and learn and study to help you with that problem. There are counselors and therapists all out there. Well, I don't know where to start, and I don't know who to pick, and I don't know. Ah. Just pick one, man. Just go online. Google it. Psychologytoday.com. And put in all the search parameters you want, where you want them to be, what you want them to be focused on, what area of a study. Do you want them to be a Christian? Hopefully. All of that, man. Go find one. Make an appointment. Reach out. Have a conversation. Take care of yourself. Or do you want to just be a slave to all that for the rest of your life? Your days are numbered. And so are mine. I will die. You will die. And when that day comes, I want us to be happy about what we chose to do today. Let me pray for us. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this insight and this wisdom on laziness. God, and that you've preserved it for us all these years. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that no doubt has spoken to hearts in this room. And God, I just pray that you would give us the courage to make a change this week. God, not to try to tackle all of it, but to pick one and make a change and work on that. And God, then use that someday to move on to the next thing. And one thing at a time, Lord, 
May we become hardworking, diligent, prepared people who honor you by the way we labor. Not just physically, Lord, but spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to make the decisions we need to make this week. And God, that you would use the same power that you used to raise Jesus from the dead, that you said you placed in us that dynamite power to help us all to make a significant change in our lives so that we can live free and not die with those regrets. It's in Jesus' name we all pray together. Amen.